0: For your support, it's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith, Monday, August twenty fourth, twenty fifteen. I think I have this all sorted out. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which... Help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of crazy things being said out there. We, What we actually strive to do is, you know, open up God's Word. Have you heard of this thing? It's called a Bible. Yeah, and The reason I say it that way is because there seems to be a lot of folk out there who, um, despite the fact that they are Christians— uh, they um they don't have any idea what this this book actually says, and part of the reason why is because they don't actually take the time to read it, and as a result of it, when uh, they're you know pastor pastrix, uh, prophet prophetess, uh, you know, vision-casting leader ascends to the stage and, you know, and, you know, opens it up supposedly using PowerPoint or whatever system they use nowadays, these people are engaging in an, ir- an irrational way of handling God's Word. And what I mean by that is, is that when you put those words that they're, you know, they're preaching on back in context, they don't say or mean what the person preaching, teaching, or whatever says that they say are mean and you know to make things even more convoluted a lot of these uh, people out there uh you know who are you know preaching and teaching they claim to be getting direct revelation from god i mean yeah it, we've got all this direct revelation now running around out there i mean who's collecting up all this stuff you know um, and the reality of the situation is is that Scripture warns us about the type of people that are out there uh, teaching and preaching and twisting God's word and making His word of, of no effect, uh, you know, by totally mangling it and not speaking the truth. Uh, you know, they pervert what uh, what God's word says, what it reveals, and they harm themselves and they harm others too. I mean, we're talking like eternal harm, you know, like hell kind of harm. And so uh, what we do here at Fighting for the Faith is we teach you how to be biblically discerning, how to uh, apply yourself not just to uh, biblical discernment in the sense of we're going to read it out for you, but along the way, if you listen to this program long enough, you're going to be given tools that you can then apply. So the idea here is is that uh, I cannot possibly get to all of the emails or all of the questions that come to me and uh, the ones in particular that you know will be like the first that i don't answer because i don't have time are the ones where the person is you know wanting me to double check their work but if they're applying the tools given here at fighting for the faith they're going to have a good understanding of god 's word a good understanding of the basics of hermeneutics uh, and how to apply sound biblical exegetical uh, ideas to god 's word, including context, including a right understanding between the law and the gospel uh, what a christ centered hermeneutic is how to hear you know how to listen for these things so that they can apply them to themselves and uh, not be deceived so the idea here is is that this is a program which will then Inoculate you, help you, and really hopefully drive you deeper into God's word, uh, which will then, you know, will bear all kinds of fruit in your life, which really is the thing that we want as Christians. But, you know, we have to talk about that another time. Let's talk about what we're going to do on today's uh, opening of the week episode of Fighting for the Faith. We are going to start off with a prophetic holy orders network information exchange syndicate update. And uh, we're going to be listening to the Apostle, (laughs) notice the question mark, the Apostle Ryan Lestrange, and uh, with the emphasis on the last part of his last name, Strange, and (laughs) he has a YouTube channel uh, for the New Breed Revivalists Network, is uh, what this is called, and every Monday he has a Monday word. And so we're going to be listening to the so-called apostle, um, Lestrange, strange, you know, really strange, and uh, listen to his message, Three Reasons the Religious Spirit Hates the Prophetic, Three Reasons... That the prophetic, uh, the, the religious spirit hates the prophetic. I mean, it's just absolutely fascinating. Then we'll continue under the general umbrella of the Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange, exchange Syndicate. And uh, we'll switch on over to um, XP Media Shiloh Church where Pastrix uh, Patricia King is now holding court. And we're going to be listening to part of her message entitled, How Strong Is Your Core? How how Strong Is Your Core? Now, um, mine (laughs) probably isn't all that strong. Yeah, if you've listened to this, uh, you know, to Fighting for the Faith for any length of time, then one of the things you know is that, um, you know, I'm always ever on this quest to become half the man that I used to be. And um, there are seasons where I seem everything aligns and the weight's coming off and, and then it stops and things go the other way. And so, you know, it, it's kind of like the tide, you know, the, you got high tide and low tide and I'm waiting for the day when I have a low tide and uh, and i stay with a low tide that's what i'm really hoping for but uh so when we're talking about core strength and things like that i i i don't think my core is very strong i it, i like to imagine that you know i've got a, a six pack ab thing going on underneath all of this but um <laughs> I don't know why I'm telling you all this. Anyway, so, I mean, there there it is. The name of the message is uh, How Strong Is Your Core? And, of course, I, you, the question is, what on earth does any of this have to do with God's Word? Y- yeah, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, somewhere in there we'll take a break, and when we come back from the break, uh, we're going to head over to the Potter's um, house. This is where T.D. Jakes hold, holds court, but we're not going to be listening to T.D. Jakes. We're going to be listening to a young man. Uh, uh, an up and coming protege. I'm not sure what to, uh, how to describe him, but he describes himself as a visionary leader and pastor, and his name is Toure Roberts. And the name of the message that we're going to be listening to a portion of is entitled "You're Standing on a Well." Yeah, you are. You're standing on. Did you know that you're standing on a well? And supposedly, this is a message that is somewhat. You're supposed to be related to or based upon uh, a passage in the the book of Genesis. Yeah, you know, you're standing on a well. So I, I have no idea what any of that means. So, you know, that's what we're going to be doing first hour. Second hour, we're going to head over to Audacious Church in Manchester in the U.K., and um, we're going to be listening to a message by Pastrix, Emily Foster? I don't know what she is there. Um, but uh, her, the name of the message is The Power of Our Declaration, The Power of Our Declaration, which, by the way, when you start, if you're attending a church that's, you know, into teaching you to decree and declare, oh boy, you've got some major problems, A major problems, because um, that becomes the substitute for prayer. And nowhere in Scripture are we taught To decree and declare the way these people are putting forward this doctrine. And as a result of it, uh, you ain't actually praying when you're decreeing and declaring. So we'll listen to Emily Foster of Audacious Church in Manchester on the power of our declaration. That will wrap up Today's episode of Fighting for the Faith, so uh, that's the the road that we're going to be heading down. Strongly recommend that you make yourself comfortable, and since we are going to be starting with a Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate update, that requires us to do this.
1: Down at an English fair, one evening I was there. When I heard
2: a
0: showman shouting underneath the flare, I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. There they are standing in a row. Big ones, small ones, some as big as your head. Give them a twist, a flick of
2: the wrist, that's what the showman said. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts.
0: Every ball you throw will make me rich. There stands me wife, the idol of me life, singing roll-a-bowl-a-ball-a-penny-a-pitch. Singing roll-a-bowl-a-ball-a-penny-a-pitch.
2: Singing roll-a-bowl-a-ball-a-penny-a-pitch. Roll-a-bowl-a-ball, roll-a-bowl-a-ball, singing roll-a-bowl-a-ball-a-penny-a-pitch.
0: That's right, I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Now we're going to be doing a few things while we're under the umbrella or banner of the prophetic holy orders. Network Information Exchange Syndicate. We're going to be listening to a little bit from uh, Ryan Lestrange. This is a self-proclaimed apostle. Apparently, uh, if, you know, being an apostle today, I mean, it's much similar to, uh, you know, Getting your ordination or diploma from a diploma mill on the internet. I mean, all you got to do is, you know, if you want to be an apostle, I think you just, you know, had to fill out a couple of, you know, in, you know pieces of information uh, name, address, when the Holy Spirit apparently started speaking to you. I and mean, you can get a certificate, I'm sure, uh, that says you know, that you're now an apostle. Um, it's the weirdest thing, yeah. Um, but see, anyone who gets their apostleship from a cracker jack box or uh is self-proclaimed as an apostle, well, we know something about scripture, and that is, is that the office of apostle is closed. Yeah, it is. Yeah, there's nobody filling that office right now, at least physically on planet Earth. No, there isn't, and uh, the reason why is because in order to be an apostle, and to fill the um, apostolic office, you must have been an eyewitness of Jesus's ministry, teaching life, death, and resurrection, starting from the time that he was baptized by John the Baptist. Those were the qualifications for an apostle. Now you're thinking, well, what about the Apostle Paul? Again, weird one. Paul admits that he was abnormally born, but he was specifically chosen by Christ himself, and, um, and yeah, he actually taught sound biblical doctrine. That's kind of the thing. He didn't twist God's word. And so anybody out there today claiming to be an apostle, yeah, you know with certainty that they're not. So we know this about Ryan Lestrange. Strange. That's his, la- his name, Ryan Lestrange. Strange, really strange. And I get the feeling Ryan's going to be making some more appearances here at Fighting for the Faith, even though he hasn't officially yet made an appearance, but he's about to. So without any further ado, let's listen to part of one of the videos I actually want to play for you. There's two, part, uh, two different videos I want to play for you as I introduce you to Ryan Lestrange. And the first is three reasons the religious spirit hates the prophetic. Three reasons why the religious spirit hates the prophetic. This is typical, normal... Um, rhetoric, if you would, to basically, you know, this is the type of stuff that you hear from those in his camp to basically find a way to fight off sound biblical discernment. And basically, oh, you have a religious spirit. Yeah, you who would look in the Bible and tell me I'm not a prophet or an apostle, you have have a religious spirit. Here's Lestrange to explain. Ryan the Stranger
3: with today's Monday word, and my Monday word today is a little bit of a teaching. It's three reasons the religious spirit hates the prophetic ministry.
0: Uh huh. Three reasons. Okay. So if I, you know, if I'm a guy who actually. Follows what God's word says and believe what God's word says about false doctrine, false prophets, and even false apostles like LeStrange. Then you know. Then you know what my problem is. Well, I have a religious spirit, and so you know that's the reason why I don't love the prophetic. Actually, um, I love the prophetic. You know, for instance, like the uh, the prophet Isaiah, the prophet Malachi, the prophet Amos. Um, even Daniel was prophetic. And so, yeah, yeah I'm, I mean, I'm all for the prophets. I just don't think that uh, Lestrange is one. You know what I'm saying? Nor do I think that Patricia King is one or um, Jennifer LeClaire or Chuck Pierce. Uh, the list is too long to list here, but we continue. So the religious spirit hates
3: the prophetic ministry, hates the prophetic spirit, doesn't want you and I to embrace the realm of seeing and knowing. And God has created us to be prophetic people, to see, to know, to move under the leading of the Holy Spirit.
0: When Yeah, where in scripture does it say that?
3: Know the path that God has called us to go down. We have faith to go down that path. We have confidence to go down that path. We are empowered to go down that path. So, uh,
0: Again, biblical text to back this up,
3: please. Spirit fights that because the religious spirit is a spirit of bondage. It wants to keep people in bondage. It doesn't want illumination.
0: It doesn't want revelation. Now, in the book... So so the religious spirit, you know, the one that would say, yeah, this isn't biblical, that's the religious spirit. It wants to keep you in bondage and keep you from illumination. I see. I I see how that works. Um, Yeah, which I think is uh, really convenient if you ask me. But here's another video of... um, kind of give you an example of the type of things apparently the religious spirit is trying to keep you from. Here's a different Monday word from Ryan Lestrange on tapping the wells of the supernatural. See if this sounds like freedom or bondage to you. Here we go. Ryan Lestrange here with today's Monday word. My Monday
3: word is tapping the wells of the supernatural.
0: Tapping the wells of the supernatural. What does that
3: even mean? I believe as a Christian, we have access to wells of the supernatural. We have access to healing wells.
0: We have access to deliverance wells. We have access- So you, you believe that we have access to healing wells, deliverance wells, and things like that. Where are these wells talked about in Scripture, these deliverance wells, these healing wells? I mean, sure, I mean, I know you believe this, but see, the thing is, the question is, why should I believe it? I mean, I know that's what you believe, but the question is, why should I believe? it? Why should I believe there's healing wells and supernatural wells and wells and things like that that I'm supposed to be tapping into? If God wanted me to tap into these wells, don't you think he would have, like, inspired one of the prophets of the Old Testament or one of the apostles or Moses to, you know, write down in, you know, a portion of the written word of God this important doctrine of supernatural wells and how to tap into them? You see, I know you think this is important. I I get that. But see, the question is, why should I think it's important when it's not taught in Scripture? It's the prophetic wells. I love in the book of Romans that it teaches us
3: that we can live a lifestyle led by the Holy Spirit. We can essentially be a prophetic people that are constantly moving. Which part of Romans are you talking about exactly? I'd like to see that in context. In the supernatural realm of seeing and knowing, we carry within us a healing well,
0: but we've got... Mm, I carry within me a healing well, really. You know, here I've been carrying around this healing well, and I had no idea I had it inside of me the whole time. I mean, imagine how useful this would be, like, you know, when you start feeling like you got a cold or a flu... Yeah, you know, I mean, here I've had this healing well inside of me the entire time. And and I was under the delusion that, you know, the thing I needed to do was, you know, get some rest, drink liquids, you know, maybe take antibiotics, depending on the type of illness that, that I was suffering from at the time. And, you know, kind of ride it out and then, you know, take some personal days off work and stuff like that. Um, but, I mean, I didn't even know. That it, I had a healing well in me this entire time and all I had to do is tap into it and, you know, my cold and flu would have gone away and stuff like that. And, you know, I wouldn't have missed work. I better not let my wife know because she doesn't like it when I miss work. And if she knew that I had a healing well inside of me and wasn't tapping into it when I could have, whoo, yeah, I would have some explaining to do, you know tap these wells it's
3: like the the person that's looking for oil that oil can be underground but there has to be a discovery of it and then they've got to tap it in acts 10 38 it talks about the wells that jesus walked in and it says how god anointed jesus of nazareth with the holy ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for god was with him so god anointed empowered
0: overwhelmed yeah acts ten thirty eight. yeah you, you talk about missing the forest because of a tree and it by the way acts 10 38 says nothing about jesus operating in wells i mean that's just silly um acts 10 by the way is the story of the conversion of the roman centurion cornelius so if you remember at the beginning of the story uh peter's in i think he's in joppa and uh, with simon the tanner and i think that's how the story goes And, you know, he went up on the roof to pray and, you know, and fell into a trance. And he saw this thing come down from heaven, a sheet with all these reptiles and unclean animals. And he heard a voice from heaven saying, rise, Peter, kill any. you familiar with this text? So, you know, what ends up happening is the Holy Spirit sends Peter to the house of Cornelius. And Cornelius is going to become literally the first Gentile, truly Gentile convert um Roman soldier of all things a centurion uh, convert to Christianity and so you know and you know, if, when you read Acts 11 I mean he's called on the carpet and so I'll start at Acts 10 uh starting at verse 30 and you'll kind of get the idea of uh you know what's going on here and uh, so Peter shows up at Cornelius's house and wants to know you know, why he was sent for, and uh, Acts 10, cha- uh, 10, verse 30 says this, Cornelius said, Now four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. Behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa, ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come... Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and he said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right and is acceptable to him, as for the word he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is the Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good, healed all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God, as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the appointed one by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives the forgiveness of sins through his name. So you'll notice here that Peter gives, uh, if you would, kind of a you know 10,000-foot flyover of the history of Jesus' life, teaching, death, resurrection, and the theological importance of it, that everyone who believes in him receives the forgiveness of sins. No mention of spiritual wells sitting inside of you or me or Cornelius or Peter. The whole point of all of this was to proclaim the good news, the gospel to Cornelius and his whole household and they ended up believing, by the way. You can read the rest of the story in Acts chapter 10. So um, what uh, Yeah, the, uh, the so-called apostle Ryan Lestrange here is kind of missing is that um, the story is not about us. The story is about Jesus. And Peter's telling the story of Jesus so that they will believe and receive the forgiveness of their sins. That's the idea. Instead, he sees in here, apparently there's wells, you know. Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power. And what was the
3: result? The result was people around Jesus were supernaturally healed. People around Jesus were supernaturally delivered. People around Jesus were supernaturally set free.
0: Yeah, they they were and the miracles, you know, testified to the, you know, his claim to being God in human flesh. I get that, yeah
3: is the lifestyle we are to be living.
0: But Yeah, um, where then does it say this is the lifestyle that we are to be living? I mean, not, in, not even the apostles really lived that lifestyle. Now, granted, there were times in the apostolic ministry when there were lots of miracles, but the farther they get away from Jesus' ascension, the less their ministry is marked by those miracles. And nowhere do the apostles admonish us that we need to have some kind of a supernatural lifestyle. You, get, you won't find that in any of the epistles. There is no text that says that. ...have this well on the inside of us, but we're not tapping it. So let's talk
3: about tapping the wells of the supernatural.
0: Yeah, listen. All right, let me
3: give you three thoughts here.
0: Oh, now, please do. I mean, these are so good.
3: One, the thought of pursuit. You know, when I began to get teaching on the gifts of the Spirit, I began to read 1 Corinthians 12, that the nine gifts of the Spirit were not just for a preacher. They were not just for a prophet. They were for every believer. And I began to lay my hands on my belly and say, Father, I thank you. I walk in the word of knowledge. I- <laughs> he laid hands. He laid hands on himself. Can you do that? Thank you. I walk in the discernment of spirits, and I begin to cultivate a pursuit. In prayer, pursuit is
0: key. You've got to begin to pursue the supernatural. Okay, so so I got to pursue. Got it. Yeah. Step one: pursue. Right. Where, where are these steps laid out in the Bible again? Got to begin to use your faith for the supernatural. Okay. You've got to begin to press in for the supernatural.
3: You gotta. You gotta. You gotta. The next word here or the next thought is perseverance. Mm -hmm.
0: When the Lord spoke to me and he said, I want to give you a healing ministry. Uh, Yeah, God told you that really. Um, Why didn't he tell you to stop twisting his word? praying for the sick. And you know what? In the
3: beginning, I saw very limited results, but I had a word from God. Faith is not moved by what it sees. It's not moved by what it feels. So we've got to have perseverance. When you begin to tap into the supernatural wells, there will be opposition. There will be challenging moments. There will be discouraging moments, but don't let that stop you. Build a
0: persevering spirit upon you. So persevere. You know, Have a persevering spirit as you're learning how to tap into the supernatural wells which are not even mentioned at all in Acts chapter 10. Yeah, persevere all you want. You ain't going to tap into those wells because they're dry. They're not even there my third thought is pressing. Yeah. The woman with the issue of blood got up off the deathbed,
3: mm-hmm. and she pressed. She pressed through the negativity. She pressed through the crowd. She pressed through p- pain. faith,
0: in Yeah, where does it say that the uh, woman with the uh, flow of blood pressed through negativity, or that she even rose from her deathbed? I mean, it doesn't say she was near death. Pressing. If you're going to tap the well of the supernatural, you've got to press. Yeah, so start pressing. What am I supposed to press exactly? I mean, here... You've told me I need to persevere, and, you know, okay, sure. But now you're telling me I need to press. Press what? What exactly am I pressing through so that I can tap into this supernatural well that's supposedly inside of me? I mean, yeah, I I don't know what you mean. friend. I want to tell you there is a well of the supernatural inside of you now. Uh Yeah, you keep saying that, but the the, the scripture passage that you referenced, Acts 10, uh, verse 38, doesn't say that. Sent you and I to declare the kingdom, to heal the sick, to cast out devils, to cleanse the
3: lepers, to raise the dead. We walk in the supernatural. We contain.
0: Yeah, you're you're misquoting a text there. And you know when Jesus sent out the seventy two by two, yeah, he gave authority to them to do that. But that's not some general command for the church. You know what I'm saying? And we're called to release the kingdom. We were never told to pray for the sick. We were told to heal the sick. I want to share with you a story and then I want to pray for you. Yeah, then why does the book of James talk about, you know, if someone's sick, you know, call the elders and anoint them with oil? You know, huh, weird. I was preaching under
3: great anointing years ago in Tampa, Florida. And yeah. we had a miracle service, long story. Uh-huh. But but we spoke to a storm that night. The atmosphere has changed. The storm- you, you spoke to a storm, really, like uh, Gloria Copeland. It was an amazing gathering. Then God began to pour
0: out healing. Many, many people were healed. At the end of the service... Now I- you'll notice, who's he talking about right now? He, he ain't talking about Jesus. When we read out what Peter said to the household of Cornelius... In Acts 10, who was Peter talking about? Oh, that's right. He was talking about Jesus. And see, there's the subtle snare, is it not? All of these people who have baked their brains on the so-called glory of God, and it's really not God's glory that they're experiencing, yet the last person they talk about really is Jesus. The first person they talk about is themselves and uh, And, of course you 're sitting there, and you probably think if you think that this is legit you 're going why hasn 't this happened to me? You know, I never have these you know experiences. I had no
4: idea that there was a well inside of me. How'd this guy figure it out? Why is God talking to him and not
0: yeah, and see what happens is is that yeah, yeah, then you begin to think, you know maybe i yeah, i 'm just not as holy as this person because if I were holy, then God would talk to me." But since he's not talking to me, this person must really be in with God and I must not be. And so I've got to do something so that I can you know, get on the inside track and start experiencing this stuff. When in reality, um, these people are deceived and they're deceiving people. They're not teaching the truth and they're not pointing people to Christ and him crucified for their, our sins. They're pointing people to themselves And looking within to try to find those healing wells and nonsense like that. And who gets left on the sideline? The real Jesus and what he really did for us. Yeah, it's all a ruse. Anyway, we're up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. Or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at christian. Quick break when we come back. Patricia King update and a uh, update uh, from uh, you know, uh, Toure Roberts, who was preaching at the Potter Town. Stay tuned, don't want to miss it. We'll be right back.
5: God doesn't need your good works, your neighbor needs them. you're listening to fighting for the faith
0: you're listening to pirate Christian radio we'll be taking your false doctrine now <laughs>
2: Bring up the hardy show ho. We kidnap and ravage and don't give a hoop. Bring up the hardy show ho. Yo ho yo ho virus like for me.
1: We export me up and we
6: go
5: Max Holiday's Bird Cage Peter presents Church Day Select.
2: now presenting for your listening pleasure, Majestic Mystery by Brian McLaren read by Reginald Bumper Scatter. Oh,
1: majestic mystery. Oh, mysterious majesty. My
4: small hand can never grasp you. I can only hold it open.
3: I don't like this oh, at all.
1: Majestic <laughs> mystery. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to be sick. <laughs> oh, mysterious.
3: He's saying words, but I'm not even sure it's English. Small mind.
1: <laughs> ah! My appendix just turned inside out. you really hold it open? Someone
3: help that poor man and call the paramedics.
5: What's all this then?
3: That poor man appendix is just turned inside out.
5: Well, that doesn't sound good. It's not every day that people appendixes do that. What was he doing?
3: Uh, listening to the emergent poet on stage.
5: You didn't tell me there was emergent poetry being read? Right. Everybody evacuate the building immediately.
4: Oh, majestic mystery.
3: Here come the Navy SEALs.
2: What seems to be the trouble?
3: Somebody in that building is reading emergent poetry.
2: Have you set up a soundproof perimeter?
3: No, I haven't had time. Oh, we can't help you then. What do you mean you can't help us? Too dangerous. Too dangerous? Don't get
2: cheeky with me. You've seen but a small taste of emergent poetry's destructive power. It only gets worse with each passing stanza.
1: Game over, dude. Game over.
2: Quick, get that man into quarantine. His soul's been sucked out from his nostrils.
1: Isn't there anything you can do to help that poor man?
2: Afraid not. The only answer we have now is to nuke the site from orbit.
5: Open to you, majestic Mr. Reed. Search the area
2: and make sure no one's hiding in the refrigerator.
5: We can't have any
0: survivors. It's been nice serving with you, Chief. Oh, Likewise. Can't mind. believe the world's come to this. Listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that people claiming to be apostles and have special anointings and healing wells inside of them are not actually telling you the truth. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. And you can partner with us by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate, the other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute $8.95 every month, that's it, to the ongoing work and mission of Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. It's a great way to support us. Of course, if you would like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you could do so by clicking on the Donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith, and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code Five Eight Two Zero Eight. Let me thank you for your support, because we truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, we're still under the general umbrella of the Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate. Here's um, Patricia King from yesterday's uh, sermon Uh, from Shiloh XP Media Church Fellowship on uh, how strong is your core. Yeah, here we go.
6: The Lord gave me this just the other day as I was praying and seeking his face on... On uh, how to prepare for these coming days, because he is he is strengthening his people.
0: now notice she says that God directly gave her this message, yeah, okay, you know, kind of like the one about you know painting your valley purple
6: in this hour, because of what lies ahead. it says in in Timothy that in the end times, there will be difficult times, treacherous times
0: yeah, treacherous in part because of false teachers like you.
6: Men will be lovers of self, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. There'll be a lot of rebellion. There'll be a lot of...
0: uh... Right, like the kind of rebellion we're listening to right now. Rebellion against the written word of God. uh, Rebellion on the part of a woman passing herself off as a pastor. You know, things like that.
6: You know, humanism, actually, just people making up their own rules on on what they think God should say and, you know, twisting the scripture and all that kind of stuff. And there's all kind of carousing and parting and immorality. It's listed, a whole list, and a people holding to a form of godliness but denying the power of it. And so if we are getting ready for those days, we are not going to be a people caught off guard. And we are not going to be a people that live like the world lives, with those kind of affections, we are a people separated unto God. And so as I was praying into that, how can can I pastor our flock and our team?
0: Yeah, did you catch that? She uh, she thinks she's a pastor now. Apparently, you just you just declare yourself a pastor and you can become a pastor. It doesn't matter if you're biblically qualified or not
6: nurtured in the strength of the lord so that we will be connected to his supernatural power and ability and his amazing outstanding outrageous grace in this hour and um as i was praying into it um i felt him ask me a question he said how strong is your core
0: Mm. so god is specifically asked you right up you know how strong is your core was he talking about, you know, like core strength training that you're going to need to go get like at the gym? What kind of core strength was he talking about there, Patricia?
6: And when he was giving it to me, there was two kind of scenarios that he was putting in my heart, and one of them is in regards to um, the military, that when they train troops for war, When they train troops to protect a nation, the most important thing about that training is to make sure that they've got a strong core, not only in their physical body, but in their soul, in their mind, in their emotions. And my husband was in the army, so I was talking to him this morning about this, and he says they intentionally try to break you intentionally he says the cruelty that you get in boot camp is beyond anything that you could ever imagine he said i've seen strong growing men like grown men like strong young men who are okay
0: so let me see if i have this straight so god asked you how strong is your core yes and her version of the holy spirit i mean this her holy spirit is really not that powerful at all i mean he couldn't find his way out of a paper bag if you gave him a gps and a flashlight but you heard know, her holy spirit you know sounds something like this
4: hi um patricia this is the holy spirit and um you know i was just kind of wondering you know um how how strong is your core uh you know um you know, you know let me give you a you know what i mean here you know um the military yeah and uh, the mil, you know they they break people and you know, they, they really put them to the ringer in their basic training and stuff like that. I mean, you know, does does that
0: help you understand, you know, my question, how strong is your core? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I were hearing a voice like that, you know, ask, you know, kind of putting these things, what is, I think I'd need to go check myself into a facility, but okay, so, so you have a better idea. Oh, the, the Holy Spirit, you know, wants your core to be strong and, you know, look at the military. Mm hmm. Right. Does this make any biblical doctrinal sense to you?
6: Of 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 fervor and muscle and everything. Ball their eyes out and ring the bell, so to speak. Say, that's it, I can't do it. In fact, my nephew, when he went into boot camp training in the military in Canada, yeah. uh, one of his roommates committed suicide because he couldn't take the pressure.
0: hmm Right. So how, again, does this answer the question, how strong is my core, that apparently God, the Holy Spirit, asked you?
6: That is how hard – They break you in the military, Mm -hmm. but it's not because they necessarily want to be mean. I mean, only God knows their heart, but you know, the principle of it isn't so that they are trying to be mean. The principle of it is so that when you are in the thicket Mm -hmm. of battle and war and everything's hitting around you hard, that you will not break at that point.
0: Okay. So God, the Holy Spirit wants you to set up a Christian warrior Basic training thing so that you can break people down so they won't crack when, you know, spiritual warfare happens. Is, is that what you're saying? What is she saying? She claims God is the one who asked her how strong is your core and then gave her this mental image. I, yeah. I'm I'm having a rough time getting the message. It's, it's like it's fading in and out. It's like back in the day when you know you had to like turn the dials to do you know tune in a station, and sometimes you get static or you know it wasn't tuned quite right, and you'd kind of you know, you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, all right, So so far I'm I'm not connecting any of these dots.
6: We'll stand strong that you will kick into the wisdom, the strategies of what you need to do to make it through
0: yeah so i need to kick into the strategies and stuff you know because the military they they break people and how strong is your core yeah i this is not any kind of a lucid logical thought pattern i'm yeah wow we continue
6: so that was one of the the things that he spoke to me about he says i'm raising up an army
0: Uh, oh okay
4: so uh, hi this is the holy spirit and you know i'm raising up an army and yeah, you know, I kind of like what they do in the US military, you know, when they break people. So, you know, I, I don't want any of my warriors to crack and stuff. So, um
0: yeah.
6: <laughs> okay. An army of those who will not falter when they're in battle. They're not going to be full of self-pity or woe is me and oh poor little old me. They're not just going to have the first little test and ring the bell and say I can't do it. That They will be a people who will persist and move forward because I'm raising up a people who will be so graced with supernatural power, but I have to know if their core is ready for it.
0: Uh-huh. So, so was she channeling the Holy Spirit because she was speaking in the eye, pl- uh, you know, pronoun i'm raising up an army i want i yeah so was that a direct revelation from god the holy spirit you know through patricia king Uh huh.
6: because if you cannot take grace when there's light stuff going on you will never know how to connect to that grace when there's severity
0: yeah you, you got to learn how to connect to the grace man especially when there's severity
6: and severe days are coming yeah and amazing days are coming for the church we haven't seen any display of power in church history like we're going to see in the days ahead it is the best is is on its way but he's preparing a people who will stand a people who will be so strong and so firm
0: yes up- so is he putting them through basic training i yeah I, I i need to know the details here
6: Scenario he gave me was olympic athletes
0: okay so the holy spirit gave you asked you the question how strong is your core gave you a scenario of men being trained in the military and now he's giving you a scenario of olympic athletes yeah i'm still not connecting any of the logical dots here
6: and he said when olympic athletes train they train to win the medal not just for themselves It's for the nation. When a military um, recruit is being trained, it's not just for them. It's not about for their own glory. They are protecting an entire nation. They have to be strong for the nation. And when an Olympic athlete is getting prepared, they have to prepare to win for the nation. They stand for the nation.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. So, you know, you got to get your core thingy how do i strengthen my core so that i can stand for the nation
6: their success is for the nation and their failure is for the nation and so he said when athletes are trained it's not easy a person doesn't wake up at 14 years of age and say oh i'm gonna be an olympic athlete yay i see it i had a dream last night it's awesome they they aren't ready They're not ready at all. You'll find out even if they have the potential for it to see if they can run a race, even a small race and get through it without bawling, squalling and, and laying down and dying. Because if they do that in the little bit, they'll never win that. They'll never be ready for the Olympics. No matter how much they desire it, no matter how much they long for, they will not be able to maintain that because they're not, they're not seasoned, but can they be? If your passion for something is great enough, you can be seasoned for anything.
0: Mm, You, 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 you. Is she preaching about Jesus? I don't hear her preaching about Jesus. I don't think Jesus, you even need Jesus for this. And that's kind of the weird thing because the Holy Spirit in the New Testament seems to be obsessed with helping people preach about Jesus, not themselves. Strange, strange indeed. All right, moving along. Yep, time for a money grabbing televangelist update. Don't want no kissing.
2: Don't want no gal to call me honey. Don't want my name in the Hall of Fame. Just want a big fat pile of money <laughs> Give me that almighty dollar For that lettuce, hear me holler Give me buckets full of ducats Let me walk around and waller in mazuma elder want to be a millionaire Give me money, 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 money I want that green ammunition That's the stuff for which I'm wishing Fill my closets with deposits I'm a demon in addition Give me shackles, give me pesos Let me see their smiling faces Money, 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 money want to get me a suit? That's made out of loot. And whistle, the wear it in green. I got that monetary-itis, like speeches, like he might as want that golden touch is what I mean. Give me that old double eagle, want that tender that is legal and financially, substantially, any sum I can inveigle. vehicle Want to live in regal splendor, for that loving legal tender. Money, 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 money.
0: That's right, that's Dr. Teeth and money, money, money. Now what we're going to be listening to is a special guest speaker over there at the, uh, the Potter's House out there in uh, I think the Dallas Fort Worth area and we're going to be listening to uh, his messages by the way his name is Toure Roberts and we're going to be listening to his message entitled You're Standing on a Well You're Standing on a Well I'm not sure what this has to do with sound biblical doctrine the Bible Jesus and him crucified for our sins yeah, I, I, I have very little confidence that this is going to turn out well in that category. But here's to Ray Roberts to explain to us the importance of this idea of you're standing on a well. Here we go.
1: Well, I want to draw your attention to a passage of Scripture in Genesis. I'm going to go to Genesis chapter 21. As I was
0: praying about what the Lord wanted me to speak here, Genesis 21, and the Lord wants you to speak this? Are you okay? The potter's
1: house and to speak to those who are watching from all around the world. Can we give it up for our online church right now? Those from all around the world who are who have tuned in, you're in the right place at the right time, and we honor you and salute you. And so when I was praying about this word, the Lord began to deal with me with, with a subject matter that he's never, ever dealt with me before about.
0: Mm-hmm. So the Lord was dealing with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird God doesn't deal with me in this way at all I must not be holy like Toure is, and he was dealing with me about the subject of whales whale wells yeah like do are you not you're not going to tell me to tap into a healing well that's supposedly inside of me, right? please tell me no
1: whales like orca, I mean whales wells that are connected to things how many of us know right now I'm just so honored I'm literally standing at ground zero of one of the greatest moves of the spirit come on somebody in recent history oh I wish you knew where you were standing right now I wish you knew whose house you were in there has been no move of the spirit in these current moments in this current time and perhaps ever in the history of the earth than what's been taking place to, th- through this man and this woman of God, and you have to. It's very important that you recognize it because I want to keep it one hundred with you. We'll get to the text. I know you've been standing, but I promise it'll be worth your while. Sometimes we get so familiar with greatness that greatness becomes common.
0: Uh, what? <laughs> what does this have to do with Genesis twenty-one? This is an interesting prelude. If you know, a lot of uh, scratching of itching ears going on at the moment here.
1: Can I talk to some real people in here today?
0: Yeah, I don't think you're talking to anybody real.
1: Sometimes we can come week in and week out and eat. And what is extraordinary in our perspective, in our perception, becomes ordinary. And that's the worst thing that could ever happen to you.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, that, that's terrible. Wow, Well, because this has what to do with Genesis 21 again? There's a well here. There's a fountain here. And all yeah, Genesis 21 has nothing to do with the building of the Potter's house by T.D. Jakes. Wow. Yeah, already reading himself into the text. This is this can't end well because it hasn't started well.
1: You have to do was look around. 58 years old and still breaking barriers and still doing new things, still evolving. And see. See, it's not just for them. If you're connected to this, that means that it's on you too. There's a well here.
0: Yeah, more like a cesspool.
1: There's a well here. Do I have any thirsty people in God's house on this day?
0: Yeah, I wouldn't drink from that, toy, ty, you know, spiritual, spiritual typhoid-ridden um, cesspool. No way. Somebody, let me hear your thirst in God's house.
1: Come on, somebody. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled.
0: Yeah, you ain't gonna find Christ's righteousness in um, TD Jakes's uh, Potter's house.
1: Wells. I'm getting to the text, stay with me. Wells. All throughout Scripture, In many places, God uses a literal well or a physical well to communicate a spiritual reality. See, God is so brilliant that he has ingrained in the natural everything that you will need for the supernatural. I need to say that...
0: (laughs) This is not going well.
1: God has placed in the physical everything that you will need in the spiritual Ephesians 1 says that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places and you say well I need a blessing in earthly places well you don't understand the sequence of things earth doesn't dictate heaven heaven dictates earth so you always want your blessing to start in the heavens, because if the blessing starts in the heaven, it's gonna be a Proverbs ten twenty-two blessing, which makes rich and no sorrow is added with it. So so
0: Yeah, l- I have no idea what this guy is doing, but this is not what we call sound biblical exegesis or doctrine or any kind of sound teaching. This is literally what it means to scratch itching ears. Is he calling people to repentant faith in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins? Is he proclaiming Christ like, well, Peter did in Acts 10? Nope. Ultimately, he's really, really filling these people's heads with themselves, not with Jesus.
1: Scripture uses wells to communicate a spiritual phenomenon. And I want to give you a definition of this spiritual well that I'm talking about. Are you with me? The spiritual well that I'm talking about can be defined this way. The unlimited, ever-present resource of God that are available to move you forward in any moment and in any situation. I'm going to read it again.
0: You're getting that from Genesis 21?
1: The well that Jesus says belongs to his people is, can be defined as the unlimited, ever-present resources of God that are available to move you forward. Anybody
0: need to move forward? Come on, somebody. Anybody need to move forward? See, you got to understand. Yeah, notice he never began with a biblical text. He just had everyone flip on over to uh, Genesis 21, but he never really even read it. Weird.
1: I know you got to see it, but just give me a couple seconds here. You got to understand, you're called to progress.
0: Oh, I am. Wow, I, I must be important. He ain't preaching Jesus, that's for sure. If you're stuck, something's wrong. Oh, if you're not progressing, well, you must it must be sin or something in your life, right?
1: That means that something is not working right. If, if I'm stuck, people talk about same thing, different day. Says who? This is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it.
0: Because Yeah, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. does not mean that I'm supposed to make some... What kind of progress am I supposed to be making anyway here? Um, by progress, do you mean heading closer to the grave and my death? Do you, by progress, do you mean that I'm moving up the corporate ladder? Uh, what do you mean by progress exactly? That's kind of a vague term. I suppose God's called you to make progress. Okay, in what? And how do I know if I'm making enough of the progress that God has made me to progress in?
1: something in
0: this day for me
1: if god made this day and he put me in it
0: well then i must be somebody really special <laughs> yeah that's how that logic works
1: come on somebody where are my daily bread people in here give me this day my daily bread there's something that belongs to me in this day that was not available to me yesterday come <sighs>
0: So I mean, who knew that you know, give us this day our daily bread is a sign and indicator of your divine destiny and your need for uh, progress. Progress in what way? I don't know, but see, you're, you were made to progress. You know,
1: somebody, where's
0: your expectation? Where am I expecting people in here right now? Uh, expectation for what? 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 What has God's word led me to expect?
1: See, even Jesus understood this in Luke 2.52. I promise him get to the text.
0: Yeah, I don't think so. In Luke, I'm sure he will, but I mean, he, he, based on this prelude and opening, you know, the setting of the table, so to speak, yeah, there ain't no way he's going to preach Jesus from that text. He's going to preach them out of that text.
1: See, here's what it says about Jesus. It says that Jesus increased. Yeah. That word literally means to be driven forward. Jesus, this is the anointing that's on your life.
3: This-
0: uh, yeah, how do you get Jesus? Well, he increased in wisdom and knowledge and stature, things like that. It's talking about the fact how Jesus grew up. That um, Where does it say in Scripture, I have the same anointing as Jesus? Jesus is the Messiah, the Mashiach, the anointed one. That's what Christos means. That's what Messiah means. Where does it say I have the same anointing on my life that Jesus had? What biblical text says that again? that's on your
1: life. This is the inheritance that's on your life. This is the legacy that's on your life to
0: increase. Oh, I see. Jesus, you know, he increased in, you know, Luke 2. So I, this is, I, I have his – apparently I'm the Messiah. I – who knew? I, you know. I missed it. I mean, I did not even realize that I was uh, a a little Messiah and that I have the same anointing on my life that Jesus had. I missed it this entire time. I should be progressing in something, but uh, I must have missed it. (laughs) Yeah, okay. You'll notice there that uh, the contrast then is between what we heard Peter preach in Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, we heard Peter preach about, well, whom? Jesus that's right. Let me read again what, uh, what Peter preached. See if you notice the difference here. One of these things is not like the other. Here's what it says, Acts 10:34. Now truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. As for the word that He sent to Israel preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, He is the Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Notice the anointing is on Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed and uh, by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness. To him, to Jesus, all the prophets bear witness that anyone who believes in him receives the forgiveness of sins through his name so you'll notice that you know all of the examples of the well teaching apparently christian teaching that we've uh, played so far in hour number 1 today all pretty much focus us on ourselves rather than the one to whom all the prophets testify who Peter preached about, and tells us how uh, we are to progress. We we have the special anointing. We have these amazing things within us. We have got to. We, 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 rather than him, him, him. Big difference. Hopefully you understand the importance. One is pointing us to Christ and is telling us the truth. The other is pointing us to ourselves and deceiving us, filling our heads with narcissistic nonsense. Alright, we're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at piratechristian. Quick break when we come back. Heading to Audacious Church in Manchester in the UK to hear a sermon about, well, our declarations. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned, don't want to miss it. We'll be right back.
5: listening to Byron
2: christian radio
5: the internet and the countless technologies around us such as smartphones tablets pcs cameras video games have become quintessential parts of our daily lives in fact our broadcast might be streaming on your phone right now communication and access to information has advanced faster than our ability to manage it responsibly Texting and email are but two small examples of how technology has provided the means necessary to communicate over long distances, while at the same time, giving people the ability to hide behind shadowy anonymity. By its very nature, technology is a double-edged sword. It provides the immediacy we desire and need, yet it also provides gateways for isolation from proper supervision. As adults, we can govern our own actions and submit to others for accountability. Or not. But how good are we at modeling or overseeing technology in the hands of children? Do our children have more knowledge about technology than we do? Do we choose to trust our children with such powerful tools without any oversight? Many people nowadays are aware of the dangers of the internet, such as cyberbullying, sexting, predators, stalking, trolling, video game addiction, pornography, etc. etc. But simple awareness is rarely met with measures of protection, appropriate oversight, or or engaging communication. Typically, parents are trusting, and simply managing from crisis to crisis, because they don't know where to start or what to do in the first place. The Parentum was created as a centralized destination to provide parents information on the available security tools for all internet-connected devices. We provide educational instructions on how to protect families from technological immersion and information on a host of potential life-altering risks born from the dangerous elements of the internet. The Parent Dome's mission is to empower parents to be actively aware and engage stewards of technology for their children. Technology advances daily, and those seeking to exploit it with the intent to cause harm maintains that same pace. At the Parent Dome, we continually update our website in order to properly address the changing needs of parents and families to better defend them against predatory exploits. Please visit us at www.parentdome.com for further information. Thank you.
0: All right, we're back. Hour number two of Fighting for the Faith sermon review time. It's been a while since we've been to Audacious Church. that here in a second. The bad the Ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith We're an Equal Opportunity Sermon Reviewing Service. Today's sermon comes to us via Audacious Church, Manchester in the UK. Emily Foster presiding. Yeah, female. And uh, the name of her message is entitled, The Power of Our Declaration. I mean, it's like we are little messiahs. We're little Christoi, you know, running around. Uh, declaring and decreeing and magically speaking things into existence and stuff like that. And yet I don't find that that's the message of the New Testament at all. So we'll see if she's able to actually exegete a passage clearly and show us from a clear passage of Scripture or two that this is actually what God intends for us to be doing, you know, and embracing the power of our declarations, so to speak. So let me back off on the music, and without any further ado, here is Emily Foster and the power of our declaration.
7: Here we go. Week three of the school holidays with three children, so come on. I'm alive, all the children are alive, we're doing well. It's pretty good. But uh, I have to say it's been fun, pretty noisy. Uh, I kind of feel like we need one of those signs outside of our house that says, you know, from 7 a.m. till 7 p.m., there is no silence you know, just to warn people, people passers-by, my neighbors, I'm really sorry, uh, we have three very energetic, passionate, loud children, which, uh, is awesome, um, but they're, they're, doing good, Jasmine, our eldest, she's six, and, uh, she's like my little misorganization, so she kind of comes every day, and she, like, she wants to know, she wants to know the plan, like, what are we doing, who are we going to see, where are we going to go, what's going to happen, and after that, what's going to happen, and where are we are going to go, and who are we going to see, and, uh, Maybe, I don't know, maybe she doesn't have faith in me, but she comes with run sheets, you know. The other day, it was it was—it was going to be a wet play day all day. You know, that day that we had that, you know, we're going, it's okay, because tomorrow will be sunny. But anyway, that
0: Yeah, clearly we're not starting this sermon off with a biblical text. Um, okay, so the kids in the UK are out of school on a three-week holiday. Got it.
7: Wet play day, she came. She had a full schedule, 10 things that we were going to do on our wet play day, which I'm like, thanks, Jasmine. That's really helpful. And, uh, you know, that kind of helps the day go through. Zachariah, he's not really bothered. He just wants to know uh, where can I set up my stage so I can sing and dance and preach all day. That's pretty much what he's into. And Ezekiel, he just kind of, you know, meanders around following the others, like, you know, where is the best party's going on, then he just kind of toddles over there. Um, but it's pretty cool. And I have love, Have to be said, just like earwigging and what's going on. You know, when you're kind of just like trying to get on with your jobs and they're kind of in the lounge and they're playing and I kind of earwigging, seeing what's happening. And one of the things that um, they love to do is play church. they kind of like, you know, from, they do from beginning to end of an entire church service. So, you know, there's, they'll nominate, one of them will be on the welcome team. Then someone will lead worship, usually Zach with his, you know, his, Enthusiastic Singing, he'll be leading worship. Then they'll, you know, one of them will do the offering and they'll, uh, do they'll even pass buckets down and they'll do the new people's bags so they fill things and they can do that. And then one of
0: which of your kids cast the vision for their, you know, pretend congregation
7: will preach. Jasmine also creates run sheets for her playtime of church. And uh, the other day she was so funny, she had uh, that she was going to be the intro to the preacher and she was introing Pastor Chris Hill and uh, and that was Zach. So then he comes on, he's got like. Like his little towel in his pocket, and he begins to preach, and he's storming it, and uh, it's pretty awesome, and the great thing is, this can go on for hours, because they do double services, it's brilliant, so then, you know, they have the changeover, and you know, they mingle, and bring coffee, and I'm like, oh, I've got hours, this is great, Um, But I do love it. And it amazes me how much they totally imitate us. Like everything to the finest detail. You know, they pick up on so much stuff. On this little run sheet, Jasmine even had um, for the offering, it said, Ray of Light, short version. Do you know what I mean? She's noticed that sometimes we do a full version and sometimes we do a short version. Kids pick up on the smallest of things. And this is great when they're picking up and they're imitating the good things about us. So I'm like, oh, that's so good. In fact, even today, Zach, was, someone was saying that they didn't, you know, weren't enjoying their job and it was boring. And Zach jumped in and was like, we're not allowed to say boring. And I was like, oh, well done, you know, I'm just enforcing the things I'm teaching you, good job. So that's all great. But when they do things that, you know, you perhaps wouldn't really want them to imitate, the things that you don't really want them to say, that's not so good. Uh, you know, I kind of walked in and it was all kind of kicking off. I'm like, what's going on? And I could hear Jasmine kind of telling him off and, you know, saying, this is what he's going to do. This is what he's going to do. And you're in trouble. go going to go through." And I'm like, whoa. And I'm like, ooh, she sounds a little bit like me. <laughs> you know, and I'm telling off the kids. I'm like, "Ah!" Oh. And then Ezekiel, has he's got, he's got these other few words, he, you know, he can say. He's just turned one. And he can say mommy and daddy. Uh, He's established more because he loves his food, you know, more, more. Um, But also, um, his latest word is no. And I'm like, ah. You know, everything's not, and he even does, it kind of, it's like nay, actually. It's kind of like nay, and he does like this finger nay, and I'm like, oh, I have obviously been saying, no, no, don't go in the cupboards and raid the biscuit tin. No, don't touch the telly. No, don't climb on the table. You're going to die. You know, all these things. I'm like, oh, he's learned. No, I'm like, you know, you can do other things, but the word of the week is no. Um I- <laughs>
0: Uh, I, sorry, I, I had no idea it was, you know, share personal story week there at uh, Audacious Church rather than preach the word of God week. I, yeah, I forgot to check their liturgical calendar, you know.
7: But I'm amazed how much they pick up and how much they totally imitate us.
0: And Is she preaching about Jesus? Yeah, not even close.
7: And I'm just, the thing of our words... What we say and what we speak has such an impact. And they have such lifelong lasting impact. And I tell you, I have never been so aware of my words than when I've been having kids. And I want to talk to you tonight about the power of our declaration. Mm
0: -hmm. The power of our declaration. The power of... Yeah, apparently we have all kinds of power. Oh, boy.
7: The power of our declaration and what we say. See, the power, the the definition of declaration is this.
0: Yeah, uh, are you getting this definition from a biblical word in either the Greek or Hebrew manuscript, and could you read it for me in context?
7: It means a formal or explicit statement or announcement.
0: Yeah, that sounds like you got it from dictionary.com. Yeah, why are we starting there rather than with a biblical text?
7: I read that again. Declaration is a formal or explicit statement or announcement.
0: Yeah, well, reading it twice from dictionary.com doesn't make it biblical.
7: You see, Church, we've been talking and we've been speaking about this new era that we're going into. We're stepping into a new era. and
0: You've been talking about a new era you're stepping into. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you've stepped into it for sure, you know. A
7: new season is about to take place, and I fully believe that as we step into this, there's a... F-
0: yeah, they're stepping into a new season. Um, why don't you open up the Bible and exegete a biblical text? Not that you should be doing that anyway, but... That would be the job of somebody who's delivering a sermon, you know?
7: A few announcements that are going to need to be made to our world. There's a few statements that are going to have to be spoken to our circumstances. There's some mountains that are going to have to be spoken to. And as we heard this morning, there's going to be some walls that are going to need to be shouted at. The power of our declaration. And I want us to turn our Bibles tonight to Jeremiah, which is where I'm kind of going to be sitting. Although it's jumped from my Bible somehow. You got it? Jeremiah 1.
0: Jeremiah 1. Okay. So I'm supposed to read myself into the call of Jeremiah. Is that what I'm supposed to do?
7: Jeremiah 1 verse 4 says this, and this is uh, the call of Jeremiah from God when he's being called by God. This is Jeremiah speaking. He says this, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, "'Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. "'Before you were born, I set you apart. "'I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. "'Alas, sovereign Lord,' I said, "'I do not know how to speak. "'I am too young.'" But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and to tear down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. I love this passage.
0: Yeah, but here's the idea. Peter says that Jesus is the one to whom the law and the prophets testify. So even Jeremiah ultimately was raised up by God for real to actually point us to Christ. And he was a prophet. I'm not. You're not. So, you know, somehow making my life a parallel to the call of the prophet Jeremiah. Boy, yeah, that's narcissistic. Um, Nowhere in scripture am I told that, you know, hey, you know, I'm just like Jeremiah in that sense. We continue.
7: See, this is one of my life passages that God actually spoke to me when God first called me.
0: God spoke to you when he called you. So he raised you up like a prophet, like Jeremiah? Really?
7: And I kind of said, yeah, I'm going to spend my life building church. And as I've been battling with, you know, this new era and thinking, I'm so excited. I'm so ready for this new era. Everything with him is excited on one hand. But on the other hand, battling the insecurity of, am I good enough? Have I got what it takes? Can I do this? Have I got something to say? And God's been drawing me back to this, talking about my declaration.
0: Your declaration. <laughs> wow. How'd you read yourself into there? I, I'm a little curious how you find yourself in that text.
7: And uh, it's been one of those things that God's really been pressing on me. And I was in worship a few weeks ago, and God just spoke to me really clearly again, just based on this. And he just said, woman of declaration, rise up. Woman of de-
0: Really, you received a direct revelation from God, and God told you, woman of declaration, rise up. Yeah, uh uh-huh. And why should I believe you when you're disobeying God's word regarding a woman teaching? Yeah, I, I, I don't have any reason to believe you've actually heard from God, and you're not even telling me about Jesus, you're telling me about you
7: declaration rise up and i fully believe that that's not just something that god's been speaking to me about but this is for all of us and i believe he is calling us to be a generation of declarers we're going to be a declare
0: so god's calling us to be a generation of declarers don't you think if god wanted us to be a generation of declarers, he would have declared that in his written word
7: generation See, this is not our time to shrink back, to sit on the sidelines, to keep quiet. But actually, God, just like Jeremiah, is calling us to speak out the words that he's put on our mouths, that we have actually got something to say.
0: So apparently, the words that we're supposed to receive from God are via direct revelation. I do have words of God that I actually proclaim when I come to the the radio microphone, when I go to the pulpit, Um, and those words are all found in the written word of God. All of them.
7: And not when we're older or when we're more qualified or when we've got everything sorted, when we think we're going to be more anointed, when we think we're going to be more holy and everything's going to be lined up in our life. But actually the call is for now. He says here in Jeremiah, he says, see today, today I appoint you right now. You see, there's a generation out
0: of... The- so, you know, because you read this and it said today, that means today God's anointing you and calling you to be a prophet too. Yeah, that's not what that means. This is that part, portion of this is the historical narrative that tells us, uh, you know, who it is that sent Jeremiah. He wasn't sent by himself. He was not presumptuous. God actually appeared to him and called him to be a prophet
7: these walls that are waiting to hear what we've got to say. They're waiting to hear for someone, the answers that they're, they're looking for, the questions they're asking, and they're waiting for someone to give them an answer. How do I do this life? How do I handle this brokenness, this hurt, this pain? Is it just supposed to be like this? Is there more to life? There has to be. Why am I here? Why has God put me on this planet? And I fully believe that just like Jeremiah, with the power of our words, we're going to begin to uproot old thinking. We're going to begin to just pull down uh, barriers between us and the promises of God. We're going to destroy some of the lies of the enemies shouting loudly at our generation. We're going to be a declaring generation. And If we're going to be this declaring generation, there's a few things, that I think, from this passage that we've got to understand, we've got to grasp.
0: Yeah, so, you know, you read this passage and all of a sudden you are a declaring generation. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Unless, of course, you're going to proclaim the gospel. We have been called to proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name. You can find that in Luke 24 making disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching all that Christ has commanded. You find that in the written Word of God. Uh, A declaring generation? Yeah, this uh, sounds like they're really full of themselves.
7: We've got to take hold of. So are you ready? Okay, so the first thing is this, is that before we go further, the first thing we've got to know is the power of His declaration. His declaration. So if we go back to... Verse 4 of chapter 1 in Jeremiah, it says this, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. What an incredible, awesome declaration for Jeremiah to have. To know that the God of the universe, he is known by. To know that he has a purpose. To know that God has a plan for him. And that God himself has totally empowered him to do it. That's a pretty good declaration. And the fact is is that this book, from cover to cover, is filled with declarations. It's not just for Jeremiah, but for every single one of us here. His declarations from cover to cover sit in this book. He said, I created you. I chose you. I know you. I appointed you. I set you apart. I have called you. I've equipped you. I've empowered you. I will be your comfort. I will be your strength. I will be your peace in the storm. I will be your provider. I will be your protector. The list is endless of his declarations over our lives. And the thing is, until we can fully grasp these declarations of what he says about us, then we can't make a declaration of truth to the generation out there.
0: Yeah, until you understand just how amazing you are, you can't declare anything of truth to the generation out there. Uh, Right. (laughs) Man, and yet Peter said it's to Jesus all the, the prophets bear witness and testify. Wow. Now, who knew Jeremiah was actually bearing witness and testifying of you and your greatness so that you can be a declarer, and part of a declaring generation to the people out there. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, you are the bee's knees, you know.
7: First of all, we've got to get the declaration. God, what do you say? What do you declare over me? And I think so often, I don't know about you, but for me, I kind of know it in my head. You know, in my head, I know what God says. In my head, I know kind of his thoughts towards me. But it's not about that. It's about the heart here. The Bible really clearly says... That out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So we have to be people that get the declarations of what God says from here into here.
0: Yeah, you you gotta get them right to the point where you can decree them, you know, about yourself in, you know, and just really have your life rocked by that. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of this song.
8: It is all about you. Now, the greatest collection of me worship ever assembled on one CD. It's all about now I lift my name on high. All 20 songs, all about you. This amazing collection is great to share with friends, if you have any. Everyone can join in the worship with you, for you. And about you because you are unique and you love you There is none like me
4: and no one else All this can do for only 19.95
8: like Operators do. are standing by to serve you
2: And I am why I sing and I am why I live
8: If you order now You'll also receive a second CD of Yule Tide Favorites. I, I no, Call one 800 me 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 or order online man at, at I.com Call today because no one can praise you like you.
0: Yeah, that's right. No one can praise you like you. Uh, and that's what I'm hearing in this sermon. I'm hearing a lot about me, like zip, zero, nada about Jesus.
7: See, for me, one of the most powerful declarations that I've read that's really helped me kind of in my walk with God and just really encouraged me is found in Mark 1, verse 10. And it's when Jesus uh, is being baptized. He's being baptized, and God speaks to him.
0: So, Jesus is being baptized, and this is a verse that speaks to you about you?
7: Um, As it's coming up from the baptism, and it says this, Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. You are my son, who i in love.
0: So you think God the Father was talking about you when Jesus was baptized and that voice came out of heaven?
7: Really? With you I am well pleased. See, this is a declaration that God says. It's one that talks about position. It's one that talks about love. It's one that talks about approval. And we need to hear this tonight, church. This is his declaration over you. So you may be in this place.
0: <laughs> Man. <laughs> wow. Talk about narcissistically blind. You, you really think the Father's voice from heaven was about you? Really?
7: place and you may not feel like you belong or like you fit, but his declaration says that you belong to me, that you're my child. You may not feel like you're loved. You may feel totally unlovable in this place, but his declaration over you says, I love you unconditionally. You may not feel like you're good enough. You may not feel like uh, that you're a failure, but his uh, declaration over you tonight is approved.
0: Yeah, no, actually, we're not approved. We're forgiven. There is a huge difference between approved and forgiven. Yeah, approved means you did something right, and God said, way to go. Uh, Forgiven means that you were found guilty, and God said, I will have mercy on you and forgive you. Why? Because Jesus went to the cross, and I laid your sins on him, and he has bled and died for them. Big difference
7: approved you're approved we've got to understand his declarations over us and the thing is when we fully grasp this i love this that when we fully grasp what his declarations are it silences the lies of the enemy it silences the lies of the enemy
0: well all i'm hearing are the lies of the enemy from you because the scriptures are about jesus not you you're not preaching him you even took a verse explicitly talking about jesus the voice of the father and you twisted it and made it about you so that's not what that's not what a christian pastor does that's somebody who's under the sway of the devil that's what they do
7: and for so many of us in this place we've all got the lies that maybe we're living maybe it's circumstances or events in our lives that have caused us to kind of live in a certain way or believe a certain lie Maybe it's just the media out there, the social media, everything that's kind of shouting so loud and so often, day in and day out, that actually causes us to think in a way that's totally not true, that's totally alive, the enemy that would want to rob us of who we are in God. Or maybe for some of us, it's people's words who have actually spoken into our lives, that they've cut so deep, that they're still leaving wounds right now. But when we fully grasp his declarations, what it does, it silences those lies. And it says, you can't stand up against the declaration of what my God says over me. I remember as a young 20-year-old kind of having that whole battle of... Um,
0: now we're hearing more about her, not Jesus. Uh, the one text we did hear about Jesus, she twisted and made it about her.
7: Self-image and just, you know, a big I, the identity crisis, which I know so many people walk through at various points. And I literally had to get like every negative thing that I was like, that is a lie. Everything that did not match up to the word of God. I wrote it a, totally counteractive declaration that God said over me. And I had like this A4 bit of paper and it just had like lists of things that God said about me, that God declared over me. And I would look at it and I'd read it day in, day out. I'd photocopied it. So I had one in my Bible. I had them up in my mirror, in my room, in the bathroom, wherever I went. And I began to just say, God, this is what you say about me. God, this is what you believe. This is a declaration that you made. And I used to just look at it and look at it until something shifted in my spirit, until something kind of really just it dropped from so
0: you focused on you until something shifted in your spirit right yeah this sounds biblical right no it doesn't it doesn't sound biblical at all I, I do not recognize this as christianity this is narcissism
7: being here to being in here so if we're going to make a declaration to our generation then it's got to be his declarations that then become our declarations His declarations. The second thing is this. It's his declaration, but then it's the power of my declaration. My declaration. See, our words are so powerful. and they Yeah,
0: where does it say our words are powerful?
7: carry so much weight. And I was thinking about this. And uh, on the 6th of September, 12 years ago, I said some words that have carried a lot of weight. I said some words that actually were going to change the course of the rest of my life. I said some words that are actually, you know, were very powerful. There are just two words. I do. I do. Yeah, there are my wedding vows. So that's a little thing. 6th of September. It's not that far away. (laughs) Um, But it's crazy to think, really, that... They're, they're just words in one sense. They're just words. You know, I'm talking now, maybe some of your church auntie friends, you know, we talk, they're just words. But the power that it is, these words have actually made a covenant between me and another person. These words have actually dictated the way the rest of my life is going to go in one sense. These words are so powerful. Uh, and I have to just say, the best declaration, one of the best declarations I've ever made. But even the law, we sign the paper, but it's after we've actually spoken the word. And uh, these, our words and our declarations can tri- totally transform where our life goes, what path we take and how kind of life pans out. And uh, if we read Jeremiah's response to God, so God's just made his declaration and this is Jeremiah's response here in verse six. It says, alas, sovereign Lord, Sorry, alas, right? Every time I've read this, alas, doesn't it sound like it's supposed to be in like Shakespeare? Like, alas, for art thou Romeo. Sorry, got a bit distracted. But yeah, alas, just made me laugh anyway. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. See, his declaration there is so often our response to life and our challenges. I can't do it. I'm too young. I'm too old. I haven't got what it takes. I don't think it's in me. I can't. I can't. I can't. And for me at the minute, that's one of the things that I'm kind of trying to deal with my six and my four-year-old. The words when, you know, he's saying, can you just do this? Or can you just do this? I can't. I can't.
0: Still preaching about herself, not Jesus.
7: I can't do it. And I'm just like, oh. We don't say we can't. We just say we can. If we say we can't, then we're not going to be able to. But if we say we can, and then, you know, usually what kicks in is, I can do, I can do, you know, off the kids' album, all things through Christ who strengthens me. But the fact is, is that faith comes by hearing. And if all we ever hear from... Yeah,
0: faith comes by... Finish the verse. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Yeah, that's talking about saving faith. It you know, the, it comes through the preached gospel. It comes through the preaching of Christ and Him crucified for our sins. That's what Romans ten seventeen means.
7: My mouth is I can't.
0: Yeah, notice she says faith comes by hearing. So you got to speak and declare, and then you just say you can, and then you'll be able to. That's not what Romans ten seventeen means at all.
7: I can't the negatives, then we're never going to build faith for our promises. We're never going to build faith for ourselves, for our future. We're never going to build faith for a generation out there if all we're hearing from our lips is, I can't. I can't.
0: Yeah, she's getting an applause for this, and it's utter nonsense, not sound biblical doctrine, and not even what Romans 10.17 is referring to.
7: The power of my declaration... I saw a cool, uh, quote the other day. It wasn't from the Bible. Uh, it said this, The words we speak become the house we live in. The words we speak become the house we live in.
0: Yeah, which passage of Scripture is that from?
7: Or, as the Bible does say, in Proverbs 13, verse 2, From the fruit of their lips, people will enjoy good things.
0: Yeah, again, Proverbs 13, your proof texting at this point is talking about, you know, you know people can you know, do well in life, either as you know, talking about rhetoric or people who speak for a living or who speak kindly to others. It's not talking about, it's not saying that we have magical ability to create the future in our house that we live in through our words. That's not what that text is saying at all.
7: People enjoy good things. So we have to understand that our words have the ability to create. Yeah,
0: show me the passage that says that.
7: Genesis, at the beginning of the Bible, see God, in Genesis 1 verse 3, it says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light.
0: Who said it? God did. Am I God? No.
7: He didn't think about it. He didn't just get on and do it. He chose to actually speak it into being. He chose from nothing. He created something. And our words have the ability to create.
0: Yeah, how did you make that leap? Because where God has the ability to speak things into existence, it does not say that we have that same ability. Jesus walked on water. Does that mean I can too?
7: They have the ability to create our atmosphere that we live in. They have the ability to create the family we want. They have the ability to create the work environment we want.
0: Yeah, this isn't Christian doctrine. This is called magic you know like a cultic kind of magic spell kind of magic this isn't christianity
7: so can i just say wherever you eat sleep live rest chill relax if you don't like it there's good news because you have the power to change it with the power of your declaration
0: Wow! you don't even need a savior y- yeah Wow, you can change your whole... You don't like the situation you're in? You can change your whole situation with the power of your words and your declaration. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you need to go to Hogwarts, not to church, you know?
7: So maybe your workplace is not an environment that you like to be in. Maybe it is boring. Maybe it is still... I want to say... And all you
0: got to do is say, Abracadabra, I declare this place to not be boring
7: change your declaration speak and create joy speak and create happiness speak and create life into it maybe your home is one that's not full of peace and harmony i want to say speak peace into your situation speak peace into your family and you know and
0: this by the way takes the place of prayer yeah it does Nowhere in Scripture are we taught that this is prayer. Nor are we taught to decree and declare. And if you have a negative situation, just decree and declare and turn it into something positive. Yeah, and people will sit there and do this rather than get on their knees and humbly beseech God for their, you know, to aid them in the midst of their troubles. Yeah, this is, I mean, just absolutely devilish what we're hearing.
7: This year, um, it's been a great year, but there have been some kind of, you know, beefy challenges along the way. Uh, To name but one, you know, living through a six-month house extension with three children, one of them being a little baby at the time. Do you know, there was times when nowhere I looked, there was peace. Peace was not to be seen anywhere. And maybe it was, you know, the builders who were kind of creating, you know, the destruction and the noise and the turmoil. Or maybe it was my three children kind of creating the destruction or the noise and the turmoil in response to, you know, what was going on. And I would stand mainly in my lounge, because that's where we live generally, and just be like, God, I need peace right now. I can't see it. I can't feel it. It's not looking like it's on the horizon. But right now, I speak peace over my home. Right now, I speak peace into my situation. And do you know, I sometimes had to just speak it and speak it and speak it till I felt a shift in my spirit, till I felt like something was being created. There is power in my declaration. Our words have the power to create. The words you speak will create the life that you live. See, they create, and again,
0: I want to see the clear biblical texts that teach this. This is utter nonsense that exalts you and turns you into a god.
7: But also, our words have the ability to bring life. But unfortunately, as the Bible says here, Proverbs 18, verse 21, it says, The tongue has the power of life or death. Wow. That's the verse that always hits me hard. That's the verse that you're like, "Uh, I'd rather not that one be in the Bible. We can do without that one, surely. The power of life or death. We literally, through the words that come out of this, everyone just touch your mouths a minute, and your tongue. Through the power of my words, through the power of what comes out of my mouth, I have the ability to literally build up, bring life. Or it can bring death and destruction. It's so powerful. Our words can hit hard. They can hit deep. They can last a lifetime. That phrase you used to hear at school, sticks and stones won't break my bones, but names will never hurt me. So not true.
0: That's right. Whatever you do, don't sing the Oscar Mayer Wiener song. Yeah, the power of your words and declarations, you know.
7: Names hurt. Words can hurt. I ask you, what are you speaking over your world? Are you speaking life? Is that what you're speaking into your situations? What announcements are you making about your sickness? What statements are you making to your family that's broken and in despair? What life are you bringing to that business venture that you're just about to start up? Is it fear and anxiety and, oh, I don't think it's going to work, but we'll give it a go? Or is it life and faith? That family member that doesn't know God yet, are we speaking life over them? As we step into this new era... The promises are over there. Everything that we're kind of believing for, the miracle that's out there for each and every single one of us, are we speaking life? Do you know, two years ago, pretty much to kind of this kind of time, I stood on this stage and I was sharing my journey with you about uh, us trying for a third baby. And when I was sharing with you at the time, um, we had two children, Jasmine and Zach, and I'd recently just lost uh, a second baby. And I was sharing with you that God had given me a promise after we lost our first baby. Promise, Psalm 30, verse 5 Though tears will last at nighttime, joy will come in the morning. And I was sharing with you that that was the verse that I felt God so strongly give us after we'd lost that first baby. And that despite the fact that we'd just lost a second baby, I was saying, Do you know, that's still the promise. I'm still trusting in the promise giver to fulfill everything that he's given.
0: You know, she's not uh, trusting in the promise uh, of the forgiveness of sins and reconciliation with the Father through what Christ has done for us on the cross. No, she's still trusting that she's, you know, she's the bee's knees and has some super important, you know, generation declaration thingy to do. Yeah.
7: And what's amazing is that, after I spoke that to you and, and I said, you know, I'm still believing this is, this is a promise. This is what we're going to speak into. What was incredible that, obviously on the other side, I didn't know this, but a few weeks later, I actually found out that I was pregnant again. Um, and we decided as soon as we found out we were pregnant, we just really felt that this is, we're going to speak life over this baby. We're going to speak life over the promise. And we were led to read Ezekiel. In Ezekiel 37, God speaks to a man of God, a prophet Ezekiel. And as Ezekiel's looking at some dry bones, everything that's representing our issues and things that are dead in our lives, and God says, prophesy over them.
0: Yeah, actually, um, the valley of the dry bones does not represent the dry, dead things in our lives. No, go and read the text. God himself gives us the interpretation. The, um, the dry, valley of the dry bones is the house of Israel, whom God will raise again from the grave. And, you know, and that actually applies directly to us. The reason being is this, is that all who trust in the promises, the same way Abraham did, the, the if you have the same faith as Abraham had, you are grafted into Israel. And that's a promise and a guarantee of the real bodily resurrection, not that God's going to resurrect dry, dead things in your life. Wow, this woman is just a walking illustration of every exegetical fallacy known to you know the church
7: prophesy speak life and my breath over these dry bones that they would live and so what we did for nine months every day we prophesied life over the promise that god had given we prophesied life over the baby that was grown inside of me every day god we speak life we speak health we speak your promise that our joy is coming over and over again And nine months later, we had a little baby boy, and uh, we called him Ezekiel. We called him Ezekiel to remind us that he's the promise that God gave us when we spoke life. So I want to ask you, what are you speaking over your promises tonight? What declaration?
0: So now we're winding up. What are you speaking over your promises? I don't even know what she's talking about because this is nowhere taught in Scripture.
7: ...are you making? Because there's power in your declaration. See, it's his de- declaration where it starts. We start with his declaration. But I believe it's a bit like a relay race. There's-
0: Cue sappy music. This is an emotional manipulation technique designed to create the false impression that God, the Holy Spirit, is now descending... On the audience, getting ready to do business with them, as they, you know, decide in their hearts that they're going to decree and declare things over their lives. Right.
7: He then hands the baton over, like he did to Jeremiah. I've put words in your mouth. Now you go. You speak. And what happens is, is that his declaration, then my declaration, and I begin to speak life. Over the promises. Life over my miracle that I'm waiting for. Life over things that I see in my life that are dead. And then what happens? Somebody else over here, they've heard his declaration. They now begin to speak their declaration. And they speak life to their promise. Life to their miracle. And somebody over here, maybe someone over here in their workplace, they begin to speak life. Life. Somebody over here, maybe in their school, I'm declaring life. Somebody here in their sick bed, I declare life over my sick body. And somebody over here, I speak life over my marriage that's dead. Maybe someone over here...
0: Look at how powerful she is. She's speaking life over dead marriages. Oh, she is the anointed one. She is the Christos. She is the Savior, not Jesus.
7: Hear the relationship with their children. I speak life. And before long, there's life being spoken to all over. And what happens is just like in Ezekiel, Life's breathe and these dry bones come to life. And before long, it's not just His declaration. It's not just my declaration, but it's now our declaration. See, there's power in our declaration.
0: Just because you keep saying it over and over doesn't mean the Bible teaches this, because nowhere will you find a, ba- a biblical passage that says that.
7: Every week we come, we stand in this place, in this incredible building, and we begin to praise and that's our declaration to a world out there. We're praising God in his, giving him his position. We're saying, God, your ability, God, your authority, God, your love. We stand together. Our declaration we praise. See, we make our declaration to a world out there when we stand together in unity. One family, all in. Everyone's included. And to a world out there who's used to disunity, disagreement, that's a big declaration. We make it our declaration when we honor one another, when we speak life over each other, when we speak to each other with encouragement, when we become each other's biggest champions, biggest fans. And to a world out there who only knows dishonor, what a big declaration we're making, it becomes our declaration when we stand up for what we and speak out what we are for and not what we're against. Not grumbling and complaining and being hypocritical, but let us speak as a church. Our declaration is what we're for, what we're believing for our city, what we're believing for our generation.
0: Notice that this has totally captivated her mind. And what's n- not being talked about? Jesus Christ and him crucified for the forgiveness of our sins and the proclamation of the biblical gospel. She is the one with the power. She is the one who's decreeing and declaring. She is the one who has the power to declare to a generation. She's the one who gets all the glory because she's the one creating the future. Not God. Yeah, it's uh, Emily Foster.
7: Let us share with you the truth we want to declare over you our declaration there's power in his declaration in my declaration and in our declaration and I believe God's calling us to be a declaring generation
0: Mm, yeah you believe God's calling us to be a declaring generation why would you think that? the Bible doesn't say that
7: I'm ready to enter this new era
0: well you go right ahead I will not be joining you
7: But it's going to require new declarations.
0: Yeah, the the new era requires new declarations. Yeah, whew, yeah. Important stuff, I'm sure. I'll be busy proclaiming repentance and the forgiveness of sins and telling everybody about Jesus. Thank you.
7: I'm not that woman I was, last era. I'm not that mom I was, last era. I'm not that wife I was, last era. I'm not that friend I was, last era. And it's not overnight. We heard this morning there's still wars to be broken, there's still wars to come down. But I'm going to prophesy to my future.
0: You go ahead. You prophesy to your future. Yeah. Tell me how that works out for you.
7: I'm going to see my future created. I'm going to see.
0: You're going to see your future created. means you're going to create it with your powerful declarations and your powerful words, right?
7: The things that God's got for me, the promises, the miracles, as I begin to speak, as I begin to prophesy, as I begin to declare life. And there's a generation out there who are waiting to hear our declaration.
0: Yeah, the whole generation out there, they want to hear your declaration. They don't need to hear about Jesus, no. They want to hear your declaration. I
7: love it in Jeremiah, in verse 17. He says, just after he's spoken to Jeremiah, he then says, Get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them whatever I command you. We've got to get ready. God's given us something to say. He's put something in our spirits, and this is our-
0: Yeah, no, actually, he's put something in a book, and we need to read the book, understand the book, and proclaim the message that the book tells us to proclaim.
7: that time, I appoint you now. I appoint you now to speak. I appoint you now to say what a place in your heart. Now.
0: Yeah. So there you go. That was... Um, the power of our declaration, and uh, that's the kind of preaching that turns you into a little Messiah, you know, and a little deity, yeah. You know, because, you know, God, you know, in the beginning, right there in Genesis, he said, let there be light, and so that means you can do the same thing, yet there's no scripture that says you're a God that can do such a thing. No, you're a sinner, and you're a creature, and you are in desperate need of the forgiveness of your sins, and need to be brought to penitent faith in Christ For the forgiveness of your sins. What we've heard from um, Audacious Church in Manchester, different gospel, different Christianity. That wasn't Christianity at all. Um, In fact, that was, like I said, way more akin to witchcraft. And the emphasis is not on Christ, the one to whom the prophets testify. It's all about you and your power and your words and your declaration and you and whatever. You, 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 rather than Christ. Yeah, and that will send you to hell. All right, we're at the end of another edition of Fighting for the Faith. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, spicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.